Welcome to the Love Fly podcast. I'm Paul Tizard, fear of flying coach for over 25 years now. And today I'm joined by the amazing Max Longin, I hope I pronounced that correctly, who's a flight service manager at Virgin Atlantic. Max, welcome. We've <laughs> known each you, other for li- years. I like the amazing. That made, yeah. made me blush. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, which no one would be able to see. So it's a podcast, so you're safe. <laughs> but I was trying to work out how long I've known you, and it's got to be over twenty years. Yeah. Well, I started in 1990 with my flying, and when did you join? I was at Virgin as cabin crew from 93 mm. until about I think I did about five and a half years maybe six years because mm. uh, I went into training after about yeah. two and a bit years and so I, was, <laughs> so I had the best job in the world which was part-time flying part-time training which was just excellent you know so yeah I've, Max is I've, I've been a big fan of you Max because you've always oh. put yourself out to help others and and even you came, I don't know if you remember, we I did some customer service training for a hotel, sorry, a pub group quite a few years ago. And you came and did a little session with some of those. So, you know, Max is amazing. So <laughs> what's the best bit about the job, Max? What What is it you love? Oh, there's so many best bits, really. And I think it really fits in with my character. So if, you, if you're able to marry the, the bits about a job, to your own character then you know you're you're on the winning streak and I've been doing it for 30 years now and I I love it as much as I loved it the day I started maybe love it more now because I was quite nervous on the day I started but yes (laughs) um there's there's just so many things I love the fact that I'm interacting with people all the time I'm, and I'm learning from them all the time and uh, love the banter with the cabin crew and the ground staff and with the subcontractor, the pilots and passengers especially. Yeah. So one of the things that I find interesting is that it's lovely to hear that after 30 years, you're still loving it. I wonder if you still love having to do your yearly recurrent training and all that stuff that you have to go through. I mean, have you got it like nailed now? Because a lot of people don't realise how much training the crew go through, not just initially, but every year and how much they're tested every flight. So I wonder, you know, yeah. every year, do you still get nervous with that? I think, you know what, you've hit the nail on the head. That's the thing I like the least about this job, really, because your job is literally on the line every year because uh, we have to do a recurrent training. It can last anything between three to uh, three, three or four days, and they've now condensed it because of the coronavirus. But it's, it's very nerve-wracking because the pass rate is 88%, mm-hmm. and if you fail twice, you, you lose your job, essentially. Wow. Yeah. So that's a, you, know, you think about that. How many jobs do you get have to be retested every mm-hmm. year on? So maybe it would be helpful to tell us a little bit what you, what they do to you during those days when you're called back in. <laughs> well, they don't torture us. There's no 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 physical no. torture. Involved. Sounds like torture. <laughs> but uh, there's there's a lot of stuff. So 
as you know, in the airline industry, safety is the number one priority and uh, procedures and, 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 and because of the nature of things, procedures consist, constantly are, are looked into, checked that they're still fit for purpose and adjusted or completely changed. And we have to be abreast with that the whole time. We have to be familiar with the latest developments, uh, legal things as well, and, and be ready for any circumstances that, that are thrown at us. So we're examined as to the theory of these things on a yearly basis. The, the safety manual is about, it's, it's about one and a half thousand pages, and that includes aviation medicine as well. So, so there's, there's a lot of things. You know, it definitely keeps us on our toes. But not only do we have to do that once a year, we also are tested on random things before every single flight. Each crew member is is tested, and if they do not answer correctly after a second attempt, they are grounded and made to uh, reset uh, the exams again. So it's very strict. I worked with two different airlines before my current airline, and I've got to say that this one is the strictest one. But I'm glad, as much as I don't like doing my recurrent exams every year it's a necessary evil that we have to do and it's very reassuring not only for me and my crew that I know that we're all singing from the same hymn sheet and we are trained to a certain level but also for our customers and I don't think that many customers are aware of how much and how rigorous the training is yeah I guess yeah, there's lots of really reassuring things there, Max, mm. such as the fact that it's, you know, this certain standard, you've got to meet this 88% every year and that you're also tested every time you fly and it could be different things. I think that helps people. There is something I wanted to pull out because some people will be listening thinking, oh, so what, is it just Virgin that has this high standard? So I think uh-huh. actually, so it's important. Yeah, Virgin does have really high standards. Uh, as do a lot of other airlines. But what, what people perhaps don't know about is the fact that there are international standards that every airline has to meet. So safety mm-hmm. is safety. But yeah. then it's the difference is how long you invest in things like service training and you know products and stuff like that. And that's where it differs. So, so a lot of people have a fear of like low-cost airlines, mm-hmm. whatever that means, because they, ne- yeah. they often aren't by the time you get to the, uh, the pay bit. Uh, but you know, when you initially come in, it says twelve pounds. You think, "Wow, I'll do that." But then, oh, do you want a seat? Or do you want? <laughs> did you want to eat? Did you want the bag? You know. Then you go, "Oh, right." So, when you actually compare them, like for like, they're, they're not actually cheaper. They're just that you can save a bit of money here and there if you don't if you sacrifice a few things. But some when people are looking at you, they just see service, don't they? they? Don't see all that safety, and rightfully so. Because can you imagine if we sat there and spoke to them about the safety rigorous, they'd be scared or they'd just be bored. It's, it's not very entertaining, is it? Yeah. So, so with, with regards to the service, we embarked on a plan to become the most loved airline. So love is at the heart of everything that we do. Yeah. And I, I, I love that because that's, 
kind of what I do in my life anyway. I always look for the heart. I always open my heart. And, and really, that in life, that's all we want. Really, we want to be happy. You must love our to... logo then. Surely. Yeah, I love that. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, sorry. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, Max, when you're talking about, you know, so the, the customers don't want to know because they might find boss. So some of the customers that will listen to this, they do want to know about the safety and stuff. And yeah. I wondered, you know, when you went... When you go through all your training and you sort of, we have to learn from aviation incidents in the past. Did you ever experience any sort of fear thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't, re- I didn't realize all that had gone on? That ever, have you ever been scared? I've had moments of fear, but nothing really immobilizing. And I think it's because of my responsibility as a cabin crew member, even before I became a manager on board, um, I've always felt it's my duty to look after my customers, my passengers. So everything is fresh in my mind. So if I'm faced with uh, some kind of an emergency or potential emergency, I rack my brain, it just becomes automatic. Mm. And I start thinking about what I need to do and, it's it's really strange because nothing can prepare you from for for when you're actually in a situation because I think it's something to do with I I'm, I haven't studied psychology but I think it's something to do with certain parts of your brain that take over and your subconscious just does a search through your entire intellect to find out bits that can help you in the situation and every single time I've been faced with something. It's just kicked in automatically. And I think that's down to the training. Yeah, I mean, the training is very good. Obviously, I've been through it myself. Tell, tell us a little bit about maybe some things that have happened to you, because we're, we're spanning over 30 years of flying mm-hmm. here. There's a, I would expect there's been a few incidents or things that you've had to deal with as a crew. Yeah. Uh, I'd be interested to, if you're happy to share those things. Mm. I assume they're in the public domain, but also yeah. what the, how the training kicks in. Would you be yeah. okay to do that? Yeah, I've, I've touch wood. Where's a piece of wood? I've never had any serious <laughs> incident. I've had a few aborted takeoffs, and I've had a few bouts of of really bad turbulence, but nothing that resulted in tragedy or or anything serious. No. Lucky, yeah. So aborted uh, takeoff. What, what's yes. that about? So an aborted takeoff is, uh, or I beg your pardon, not an aborted takeoff, an aborted landing, oh, go which around. is a bit more serious. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah around. go around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a few of those. Once we were landing into uh, Narita, Tokyo, and a sudden storm just uh, developed and it was really bumpy and which is our land. And it, you could feel the, the plane swaying from one side to the other. And then just before touchdown, they aborted the, the landing and we went up like a rocket, almost vertical. It was incredible. I've never felt such power from mm. the engines and the noise and the roar. Yeah. But in the aircraft, such quiet. Yeah. There wasn't a single sound, I think, because everyone was just so anxious about what was going on. Yeah, it's a and surprise, isn't it? Because the pilots are absolutely no, yeah. but nobody in the back can see what's happening, knows what's going on. 
And so the first that anybody knows is that exactly the pitch of the nose and the roar of the engine. Isn't it? That's the first you know about it. So it, it's yeah. shocking for everybody, isn't it? Yeah. And then once once they've reached a certain altitude, the the pilot made an announcement uh, and it's felt like hours that we hadn't heard anything. But Brilliant. actually, it was probably like not even a minute and a half. Yeah. <laughs> because they're really busy in there not only dealing with the the physical thing but they've got all kinds of other things that you know signals and stuff amazing hats off to them and he was so calm in his announcement I was I couldn't believe it it was amazing oh you might have felt that we didn't land. <laughs> no, just we didn't land. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, thought, oh. I kind of had noticed, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Maybe we did. <laughs> and he said, you know, this is something we just felt that it wasn't safe to land. And so we were just going to go around the airport again and uh, and wait for our turn. Um, and what then happened was that the, the winds had gotten even worse so we diverted to an, another airport and and that was that but it, it was surprising because you you hear about it in training uh, when they teach us about aborted landings but nothing you know it, it, I, I was just so surprised to the the announcement of the pilot so calm and then when I went in to see him afterwards Oh, I was like, oh, yeah, da, 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 da. nothing had happened. No. Yeah. Because well, to them, it's just so for anybody's it's... listening, if you've never, we do talk about this on those courses, but let me just put a couple mm. of things to bed here for anybody's listening and thinking, oh my God, that's never happened to me. So the pilots are coming in. There's always a minimum of two. One of them is performing the landing, the other one's watching, is also in charge of communication. And so they're double checking with each other all the time. So all the time they're coming into land, this is what Max, you know this, Max, but people listening mm. might not know this. All the time they're coming into land, they're checking, is it safe to land? Is it safe to land? And right until the moment, even they can touch down, they'll still, they can still take off again because it's the safest thing to do. And it could be just something like the aircraft that's landed in front isn't completely off the other end of the runway, which would be fine, but it's still not allowed. It could be anything. They don't like the look of it, and so they'll take off again. Mm. And so one of the things that people often talk about is exactly how you described it. So people who are nervous will say, it went deathly quiet. They always say the word deathly quiet. Uh, No one spoke for at least 15 to 20 minutes, but actually it's probably like two minutes because the perception of the time changes. And And the next thing that people always comment on, which you said as well, which was great, because it goes to show that even though a cabin crew know it and they get trained in this, you still have the same physiological things that a nervous passenger does. The other thing that people often say is that, my good, it went up like a rocket. Because what people forget is that you're now at the end of your flights, you're down to a lot, you've got a few tons of fuel left, enough to do a go around and land somewhere else. But at the beginning of the flight, you're fully loaded. So you've got the full, uh, you've got the full engine power and you've got, a lighter, lighter aircraft. So it, it is very dynamic, completely safe and managed. And the pilots practice this all the time. So they actually love a live one. So they, probably, yes. they would have been delighted to have done that, wouldn't they? <laughs> they were. They were. They had these big smiley faces when I went in to see them. 
But Paul, I th- didn't we do a an aborted landing once? Yeah, we did. And we ended up in Brussels. Yeah, that's what, as you said that, I thought you were going to talk, yeah, that's exactly what happened to us. So we yes. are on that. So that was the that first was... time that I've done a go around. And yes. I didn't know what was going on. And I was sat right at the back. And exactly as you described it, and the person I was with, she was quite scared. And because she was literally, I think it was her first or second flight, so she was unlucky. Mm. And I'd been flying probably 18 months by then, maybe two years, and I'd never had a go around before. So the main thing for me, and this is the difference between sort of, you know, trained and not trained, is that I had the same reactions. I thought, oh, shit, what was that? (laughs) Oh, my God, what's going on? You know, sudden roar, and then we're away again. And um, but then I thought, well, that was a go around. And that's yeah. the difference, isn't it? You kind of you you have to trust that the crew and the pilots are just so well trained that they'll deal with it. Mm. Yeah, that was yeah. us. Yeah, we spent the night yeah, in Brussels, which uh, which I'd never been to before, nor since. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of the perks of being cabin crew. You don't know where you're <laughs> going to end up, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That was um, that was um, I remember that was my I think that was my second go around yeah and again that was coming back from japan mm. yeah mm. so it's a so it happens occasionally yeah. uh, but it's nothing but the, one of the main messages taped from this you know max has been doing this for over 30 years and yeah. the incidents are few and far between that you've ever had to sort of think right i could need to do something slightly different because of the safety margin isn't it mm. yeah two I've, I've i've had two in my 30 mm. year career yeah which is very little. Yeah, that's really good. So let, maybe you could talk a little bit about the sort of stuff that you might do when you're on board. You know, because you are the face that we see now, because the pilots are behind those sort of Kevlar doors. We don't see the pilots; they're kind of a disembodied voice. Mm. Uh, so it's you and your colleagues. So tell us a little bit, perhaps, some of the stuff that you do from a safety perspective. So before we get on board, we have a safety briefing where we talk about customers any special needs and things like that the pilots will pop in and just have a chat and tell us about the routing and weather and anything that we need to know about and then as the manager I will do a a safety briefing speak about a few things remind them of a few a few updated notices or procedures that might have changed and then I have to check their knowledge so I have a question to ask each one of them and I answer a question as well. And it could be, we do, it's based on scenarios. So we might talk about aviation medicine or whatever, firefighting, things like that. Mm. And we'll, I'll just have to ask each person a question. They will answer and they're not allowed to confer or anything. It's very, like, really strict. Scary. And, yeah. and yeah, it's scary. And there have been instances where crew members have had to be left behind because they haven't been able to answer their two questions correctly. So so that's that. Then we get on board. And the first thing we do, of course, before we get on board, there is a security agent, independent security agent, who checks our IDs and and makes sure that everything is... Yeah, so even though you've been through airport security, customs, you're still... There's another check before you get on the aircraft. Another one. Yet another one, yes. Mm. (laughs) So that... And also, before we even get to the aircraft, then there's a special security door that we have to go through the gate. 
and that can only be accessed if our IDs are current and, and up to date. So you, there's a lot of things yeah. before we actually get our uh, foot on, in, on the aircraft. Once we're on the plane, we, we then uh, store our crew baggage and immediately start checking all the safety equipment. So in can I just our... ask, Max, do you, yeah. do you do security searches or anything like that? The security searches are done by an independent company. So it's impartial and, and they are constantly scrutinized and tested secretly. <laughs> uh, and we're only allowed on board once they've done their, their checks. And we go on board yeah. and yeah. we kind of do the same thing, <laughs> but we do our own particular area as well. Uh, we check all our safety equipment, the portable and the fixed equipment, the actual structure of the aircraft in the area where each crew member is working. We then check the communication system that all the interphones, those phones are working correctly. We then do PA checks as well with the pilots involved as well. Um, so there's a lot of things to, to do before we even start preparing for our customers and before we even start preparing, checking the catering and bedding, cushions, all those kind of things, amenity kits that we give to our customers and also the, the um, sanitary kits that we now give with the masks and things like that and, and yeah. hand gels and stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that takes up most of the time, I think, before we actually get mm. our customers on board. So they get, they start boarding. Yes. That's and uh, before they start boarding, this... in their particular, they have special areas where they have to stand because we have to have access to the doors in case we have to evacuate. Yeah. There is always a crew member available at a door and they can get the escape route. So safety, oh. always safety first. Isn't always. It? Safety, safety, safety. Yeah. yeah. So they start coming on board mm -hmm. and, and then what sort of things with a sort of security hat on are you doing as they are boarding? We're, there's normally two crew members, minimum one, but there's always two, if not three uh, crew members at the boarding door. And it's like secret squirrels in a way <laughs> because we're constantly assessing each customer as they get on board, mm. just their behavior, things they're carrying. There's a lot you can tell, body language, the way they behave. And we always interact with, our, with each customer as they get on board. Yeah. So there's that, there's a logic behind it as well as being friendly. Mm. But before we even get our general customers on board, we invite any customers who might have a nervous disposition about flying. And sometimes we're already uh, notified of them by our ground staff. Yes. But sometimes we're not. And at the last minute, a nervous flyer might just say to somebody at the gates, one of the ground staff, oh, I'm really nervous. Um, I'm just beginning to feel it now. I've, I mm. thought I had it under control, but for some reason, yeah. it's, I can't yeah. control it anymore. And the ground staff will come and have a chat with me. And nine times out of 10, if I'm, if I'm not doing something that's of a higher priority, I'll actually come to the, to the gate and I'll have a chat with that customer. So that oh, would... that's great. That's great. So let me just yeah. let's dive into that. So oh, okay. two, got two questions around there. So what sort of things do people typically, are, what are they saying they're fearful of? And the second part is what do you tend to say or do with them that helps them? 
I think when they, first of all, when they're confronted by a member of the crew who will be on the flight with them, that immediate bond reassures them. Mm. And I'll just... What what things are they nervous about? What are they nervous about? There there can be so many things. I think it's, it might be because they have to give up control. Mm. And um, somebody else is, is, they are dependent on somebody else for their own safety. And they're on this plane. It's an unnatural metal tube that's going in the sky and human beings shouldn't be flying. They should be on the ground. <laughs> so these are some things that I've heard from customers. Yeah. yeah. Some customers will say, I'm scared of dying. Mm. I'm scared of leaving my kids behind. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of and understandable, the, isn't it? It's you know? very understandable when they're responsible for other people. And in fact, there's a, a, a what I, uh, I found a large percentage of customers who have a fear of flying never used to have it until they they coupled up with somebody else they're not single anymore so there's somebody else in their life or and they have children bingo and that's the big thing so in fact that's one of the first questions i ask them (laughs) or sometimes they'll even say to me that i never used to be frightened of flying but now i am and i say to them oh have you got children nine times out of ten yeah that's the thing yeah i've noticed that yeah. So how do you help them then? What do you think? I mean, so you make this connection because you're going to be on their flight. What mm. sort of stuff do you find reassures them? But my calm attitude reassures them. Mm. Straight so away. more about what you're doing. It's rather, really how important. You're doing it rather than what you say. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll be reading me a lot. Mm. A lot. And mm. they'll be darting eyes looking at me and looking at the ground staff or whatever, or even if they've just come on board and they'll just say, I'm really scared. Same thing there. I'll either me or another crew member, but the, the, it's that calm disposition. That, and it's, it's not an artificial calmness. It's a, it's a real thing. It's not made up. It's because we feel confident mm. in, in the flight that we're going to do. And in the aircraft that we have, we have really, Fantastic aeroplanes, state of the art, s- solid aeroplanes. So that's the sort of stuff that you say, and that, yes. and that helps them and, and, your and, and your calm demeanor. Yeah. And I'll ask them, can I take your hand? You have to ask permission for these things. I can't just. It's a bit familiar, it. Max, isn't it? Yeah, I know. So I always <laughs> ask permission first. Oh, any excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Got to watch and, this one. If you come across and, them on your flights. <laughs> But sometimes they'll just burst into tears, sometimes of relief, sometimes of just pure fear. And mm-hmm. I know that fear is something that is irrational. Um, I understand it. I've, I've got fears. I'm really scared of snakes. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I'm trying to conquer that fear. But there is that instinct inside me when I see a serpent. And oh, my gosh. And there's other things as well. But. As, as you live your life, you, you try to see how you can manage the situation. And if I can't overcome a fear of something, I'll see how I can manage it in a way that makes it less threatening for me. Yeah. And, and so, so I, I think perhaps uh, nervous flyers tend to do the same thing. They, they are aware of their fear, yeah. 
and they try to manage it in ways that make it easier for them. So yeah. I try to help in that respect. So I'll take them to their seat. I'll actually say to them, look, do you want, shall we have a little walk around the plane together? And I can tell you a bit about the aeroplane. A lot of the time they've never flown before. Mm. Um, so I'll explain things and I really take my time with them. And my crew do the same. It's amazing. not just me, you know. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so and then you, I guess you, how long do you think it typically, there probably isn't a typical, but if there was a typical amount of time from when they meet the max yeah. and there's hand holding going on, uh, <laughs> how long does it take after that before they start to sort of feel better, would you say? 10, 15 minutes, mm. I'd say. There you go. Yeah. 10, 15 first, minutes with max. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, virgin love. <laughs> Yeah, you know, then they, they, they establish a bond with the crew member. Um, and it might be that at, then I will take them to their seat when they feel comfortable. And I'll introduce them to the crew members that will be working in their particular area because our planes are, are wide bodied. So we have two aisles and there's nine abreast or 10 abreast. Uh, so, so, so we have a lot of crew working in different zones then they establish a little bond with that particular crew member. Nice. And in fact, we really enjoy it when, when we have a nervous flyer on board yeah. because we really feel for them. The one thing I love about a cabin crew is that we understand the concept of empathy and mm. compassion. Mm. And then you, really you are talking, you've got tons of it. I can tell that, Max. Yeah. It's just, it's really coming across. Mm. I love that. I think anyone Thank who's you. nervous would wish someone like you to mm. be near them. Well, I, I'm, I, could, I can confidently say that my, my colleagues are um, same parallel. Yeah. 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 What Thank do you, you say to, because occasionally we get somebody who might, you know, over the years, I've probably seen roughly maybe 30,000 humans that have come run through the courses. Wow. Yeah. So one of the things that sometimes comes up, not very often, but somebody will say, oh, I went on this flight and the cabin crew weren't very nice to me or a bit dismissive. And I said I was scared. Mm. Um, what, what do you think to that? Well, um, that's really sad. And I hope that's never I've never heard something like that. But I would be really disappointed that they had such a situation. Yeah because we relish nervous flyers. We really do. <laughs> and I'm, I'm repeating myself because we love to, ah, we want to help. We want to yeah. do this. And this is the thing, a bit of a challenge that we've had with the coronavirus pandemic, because we, we have to restrain our interaction with customers. Mm. You know, so because we normally in between the services or even when we're doing service, we have a chat with the customer and we have the chat with the other one and this and that and the services are a bit slow, but we're all enjoying it. And oh, tell me about this and that and the other. And it's, a, it's less now, but even that's even we've, we've turned the corner on that as well. So mm -hmm. this is all good. Yeah. 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 So I get the impression that the, yeah, the crew, you know, are trying to operate, but if you're wearing a, you've got all PPE on and all the rest of it, it's, it's not that easy to make that connection, but you're, it sounds like you found ways around that to still. Oh, yes, we connect. have. 
very easy because we might have the mask around our, <laughs> our mouth and nose, but you can still smile with your eyes. Yes. And what about and, the hand holding? Is that out at and, the moment? No, it's not. <laughs> no, I've hand. sterilized. I want to hold your I'm hand. sorry, not even, not even. And the tone of the voice, what I've noticed is how crew have become so much more creative with their eyes, with their body language, and also with their voice. Mm. Because if you can't use your smile, you can't use your mouth, you've got to have, find other ways of expressing yourself and, and communicating with, with others. Yeah. yeah. That's lovely. I, and I, I get the impression that this is something that you have in buckets and buckets of it. And I would imagine that anybody listening to this would feel very cared for by you and your colleagues, because that's mm. just there's such, there's such empathy coming across and such warmth. Yeah. That's, what I, that's what I get from you. And I think people who are scared need that sort of friendly warmth that you that you bring definitely most of the carriers that you you're familiar with here in the uk is the same yeah definitely yeah and i think it's the same you know because this people listen to this podcast they're all over the world now so you've got mm. you know i'd always say go to your bigger airlines that they're more likely to do the full service and have mm. you know to be the customer care but you, we all know what you're getting so if you're you might have to pay a little bit more but it is a dependent on your um, needs so if you've got a fear of flying don't go with the the 12 pound flight where you're going to have to take three you know stop three times to go the same journey mm. because that's just going to cause more stress and it is going to be more of a functional feeling if you have no fear of flying i mean personally when i fly i go for the cheapest i can get i don't care who it is because anything that flies out of my country I'm I'm happy to go on, but yeah. I know for nerv for nervous flyers, I say don't don't take that approach. Go with the ones that you can afford to go with. Go direct, and the bigger airlines, about you know Virgin, EasyJet, BA, they are going to look after you. They're going to yeah. do that that extra stuff to make sure that you feel okay. And I'd personally, if I was a nervous flyer, I'd love to come across you, Max. <laughs> thank got a very you. got a lovely way keep doing what you're doing you know it's amazing thank you thank you if i could just push you just for sort of a closing couple of things if, sure if you had to say some top tips or some advice that you'd give to anybody who's a nervous flyer what might you say you know take your time i would say take it easy on the alcohol because some of the incidents that we've had on board have been from nervous flies who have drunk too much and we haven't spotted them as they've come on board. And we've spotted them as they've sat down <laughs> and we've had to escort them off the aircraft because by then they're just too far gone. And also take it really easy with your prescription medicines, really listen to your GP on advice they know they really do know best it sounds like a cliche and i used to be a rebel ah but it's true they do know best you might also want it's something that that i find the less stuff you have to carry on board less stuff to think about less stuff to worry about so if you are feeling anxious about flying don't bring a lot of hand luggage with you it's, it's just going to add to your burden of, of psychological task list. Have mm. I got this? Have I got the camera? Have I got everything? You know, just 
I love that. That's a great. I've Take never heard easy. that tip before. That is a really yeah. Like it's, it's yeah, and and similarly with the clothing and stuff like that. Just make it as simple as possible. Also, wear comfortable clothes, because if you're wearing skin tight jeans or collar that is buttoned up to your your Adam's apple, you're going to feel constricted. And and these things, you might not realize it, but they actually add to your psychological stress. You're yes. feeling constricted physically. And something I just learned from a Japanese channel the other night, I was watching NHK and they were talking about shoulder stress and how to de-stress. It's very quick in, and easy things to, de- to get the stress out of your shoulders before a flight and even during a flight, because as we know, uh, stress accumulates around the neck and the shoulders very mm. quickly. Mm. So if you can find ways to de-stress your shoulders and one of the easy things easiest I couldn't believe it was so easy but I felt so much better after three minutes of doing it is do you remember karate yes as a child you did this and this and this and you twist your fists yeah if you do that 30 times the amount of stress that is relieved from your shoulders is amazing and I tried it and it works so if that can be of help. So three minutes, bit of karate practice, which is punch yeah. with one arm, bring it back, punch with the other, twist. Yeah. Excellent. Got it. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just trying to describe it because anyone listening will be thinking, I don't know what that means. So it's, just a, it's like a punch and then a twist, pull back, twist, twist for three minutes. So that's 30 times. Amazing. Mm, mm, mm. I love it. Yeah. No one. I've, there's a couple. There's two tips I've never heard before. The carry less luggage. I always say to people, keep your space clear, because yeah. then you can own it. It's your space. Mm. Uh, but yes, bringing less luggage is less stress. And then the three minutes karate to to reduce <laughs> the stress in your neck. There you go. Some new tips yeah. for people. That's amazing. You are the gift that keeps on giving, Max. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to just also say to customers, to to anyone who has any issue anxiety, please talk to your cabin crew or talk better still talk to the ground staff because then they'll talk to us because we want to look after you. I mean, if there was a better phrase to finish on, I can't (laughs) imagine what it would be. Max, thank you so much for your time. Keep doing what you're doing. I know you've helped thousands of nervous flyers in the past. Keep doing it. I'm sure you're the face and the person they'd love to come and meet. Oh, on I'll be welcoming them. Please, <laughs> any of you on any of my flights, ask for me. Thank you very much. I'm so Thank grateful. you so much. Ciao. Max was telling me straight after the show that whilst he's been on furlough for the last year, on his days off and out of his own pocket, he's been turning up at the cabin crew areas with his sewing machine and making sure that all of the crew have got their scrubs so they're like perfectly fitted and he's been doing the same for the NHS as well and all of this he's doing himself so Max is has his own business uh, I think it's called Maximilian yes Maximilian is a clothing label which is still going strong but he's such a generous lovely man that he didn't even mention this during the recording so I thought I'd have to jump on afterwards and let you know so I hope you enjoyed the recording and what an awesome human and what a great demonstration of just how great cabin crew can be.